0: Lord, you're here. We are here. Lord, may we awaken and be conscious of your presence with us that we may be here together. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. So I'd like to begin with a question this morning. It's a little heavy, but nevertheless, here we are. What do you do when you come to the end of yourself. What do you do when it feels like that life is getting ready to bottom out on you? You ever had that feeling before where life, everything around you feels like it's collapsing? When you're faced with life's disoccur- discouragement or despair or doubt or disbelief and it appears that everything is coming to an end, like it's ready to bottom out on you? you feel powerless over that situation, what do you do? And how do you handle that life? How do you handle that moment? Well, this is the woman that we meet in our gospel story, this Canaanite woman. Now, as we get into the story, it's important to remember the context of the story. Jesus had just left the Jewish territory where he publicly offended and renounced the leading religious authorities of his day for being what he considered to be self-centered, hypocritical. He called them blind guides, right? They thought that they were kind of the gatekeepers of who's worthy in God's eyes and who's unworthy in God's eyes. You ever met one of those gatekeepers before in your life? You know who I'm, you know, you know what I'm talking about? They know who's right and who's in and who's out. Well, the Jewish uh, Pharisees, they were considered, they thought themselves to be the most holy and righteous ones. And therefore, they knew who was worthy based upon how they followed the customs, the traditions, and the law of their day. And Jesus renounces those people. Makes you wonder what he would do today if he showed up at a... Not in the St. Michael's, of course, but like some of those other places. You know what I'm talking about? Right. So Jesus just schools the religious elites, if you will, the inside club, the religious elites who basically failed to recognize him and understand him for who he was and for what his message was about in this world and what he came to proclaim And he got away from that, and he was, I guess, maybe going to Gentile territory to get away from some of those judgmental religious nuts, right? I don't know. But he wanted to get away, and so he enters into Gentile territory, and he's approached by a woman who had come to the end of herself. For her, and for her world, life was bottoming out. She was in a bad space. She was desperate, powerless, hopeless because her daughter was sick, very, very, very sick. The scripture says she was possessed by a demon. Now I don't think demons have red pitchforks and long red tails or they head spins and they split up split green pea soup at everyone. I do think demons are real. These are the things that get inside us and start to terrorize us. The things that make us sick mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. These demons are all sorts. Um, And this young woman, this little girl, was possessed by one of these demons, as the scripture says. And so, you know, as I got to thinking about this, I realized, though, I think this Canaanite woman, I think she stands in for all of us who have ever felt like our lives were falling apart or that things were bottoming out on us. And I mean, we've all experienced some heavy-duty life events. You know, when the one we promised to love for better or for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, that one betrays us or says, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. All of a sudden, the bottom starts to fall out in our lives, doesn't it? When the doctors say, there's not much more I can do. I'm sorry. When a loved one Someone we care about is trapped in some form of an addiction. And you want to help them, right? You want to save them. You want to rescue them. But you know that you don't have the power within yourself to do it. Feels like life is bottoming out. When you felt forgotten, ignored, betrayed, humiliated. See, in all of those places in our lives, we stand with the Canaanite woman and we desperately beg for help. You ever found yourself doing that? God, help me. Help! Help! Do you see me? Do you notice me? Are you paying attention? Well, this woman runs to Jesus. Now, as I said, she's a Canaanite. She's an enemy of the Jews. She's a woman and she comes to Jesus and notice what she says she says have mercy on me lord son of david my daughter is tormented by a demon now in more simpler terms she's saying this jesus help me <laughs> help me but she in doing so she acknowledges jesus as the Messiah as the anointed one as Lord son of David the one that God had prophesied would be sent to rescue and save Israel whereas right before that the Pharisees the most devout religious teachers of the law whom Jesus called hypocrite and blind guides and all that they failed to recognize him for who he was and here we are with this woman and it's important to remember that she was considered an unworthy outsider. She was considered cursed and definitely despised by the Jews. She's a Canaanite. But you know, when you love someone, when you love something so much, it's a very, very powerful motivator. And she's desperate and she's doing, willing to do whatever it takes to save her daughter. And she could care less, I think, about the political and the religious divisions in her world because the only thing that was on her heart the only thing that was on her mind was her little girl. And she desperately wanted her healed. See, this woman literally trusts that God is good. So she comes to Jesus. She humbles herself. She, you could say, embarrasses herself, and she pleads for help from a Jew. From a Jew, they hated each other because she will do whatever it takes because her need is so great. You ever felt like that? You know, we 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 got a pretty you know. Fluent culture as Americans for the most part, you know? I, I don't often find myself in a place like that where I, in and of myself, that I feel like I'm hitting bottom, you know? But those times do happen and they come to us. And what happens if, when that does, you feel like you're one of the outsiders, you know what I mean? Like, you don't follow the church customs, and the church, thank you, you don't follow the church traditions, you know, or the religion of the day, the religion of your family, where you feel like an outsider toward God, or even Christianity, because you're not really sure what that even means, because sometimes your experience of that might have been like those people that Jesus called blind guides and hypocrites, right? And they're judgmental, like they were the gatekeepers of God's love and mercy and grace. And so you're like, I may, am I unworthy to even approach God? But the bottom's, bottom's falling out, and you're desperate, and you need God's help. And if that's the case, welcome to St. Michael's. We accept you wherever you are on your journey and we trust that God will take you where God wants you in God's timing because you're loved with a love that you didn't earn and it's a love that you can never lose. So if you find yourself in that place, know that you are in the right place this morning. See, a few years ago, I was having lunch with one of my friends and she, she asked me, Rick, why is it that people only seem to come to Jesus when their, <laughs> when their lives are in trouble? I told her that's where God meets us you know it's it's difficult to humble ourselves and admit that we're not in control but when life happens and the bottom falls out and we feel like our lives are falling apart guess what goes with that our ego and our pride it just does and it's only when we come to the end of ourselves, I explained to her, and we face admit the reality of our powerlessness that we're not really in control and our inability to manage life on our terms and in our way and admit our need for God and we turn our lives over to God that that's where God will help us and can help us it's there that we discover the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God God doesn't need us to hit bottom God doesn't need our lives to fall apart unfortunately it seems to be a human condition for some reason or another that we kind of wait till our lives unravel until we really realize oh they're really unraveled right And so the Canaanite woman comes to Jesus like that. She's unraveled. She comes to Jesus like a beggar, right? And here's something that I really found interesting in this gospel. So this woman, she recognizes Jesus for who he is. Yes, she's an outsider. Yes, she's a Canaanite. Yes, she's an enemy to the Jews. Yes, she's a woman. She shouldn't even be talking to him. But she opens her heart and soul to him. And what does Jesus do? But Jesus did not answer her at all. That's what it says. Was he ignoring her? Was he just, she's a Canaanite. I'm not paying any attention to her. Is that Jesus that's revealed in the Gospels? Do you know, what do you do when it feels like God is silent? You know, often people have told me when it feels like God is silent in their lives, sometimes they blame themselves. You know what I mean? Like they, they haven't been good enough, you know, haven't lived a good enough life. They need to clean up some things and get right with God. Or they haven't had enough faith in God. Or they've disappointed God in some way. And so God is like, nah, 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 nah. that's what they think. And we even begin to question if we're worthy enough to pray, to even have our prayers answered. That's often the case. Sometimes, though, people blame God, right? God's not listening to me. God's a silence, silence, and he's ignoring me. And so people blame God as indifferent, as mean, and they turn away, and they quit all this God stuff altogether. And that's exactly what the disciples are trying to get Jesus to do. Turn her away. Reject her. Get her out of our hair. Get her out of our face because she is an unworthy dog. She is an enemy to us. Let's get rid of her. Let's silence her. Jesus speaks to the disciples and he says, you know, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, you look at this exchange Jesus has with this woman, this exchange in this text has troubled preachers for eons and scholars and trying to understand what's really happening here, because Jesus looks really unchrist-like in this text. But is that who Jesus is? We're going to take one small text out of the New Testament, out of the Gospels, and go. Oh my gosh, he's unChrist-like. At first glance, it appears that way; that he's condescending. But you know, as I look at it in context with the Pharisees and what he had just had happen and confronted, I think maybe he is mirroring what's in the heart of his Jewish disciples. of Those religious leaders of his day. He's just mirroring what they're already thinking, right? She's a Canaanite. She's an enemy, a dog. She's a dog to be discarded. And therefore, she's unworthy of God's help. Kind of makes me wonder who are the dogs to be discarded? in our society who are those dogs in our society that we know because we're good Episcopalians right that we know that God just discards them now at 745 I said Republicans because as soon as you talk politics that gets everybody nervous right I said Republicans are they the dogs and I said, what about the Democrats? Maybe it's the Democrats. That's it right there. It's the Demo- They're the dogs, right? They're the dogs. Who are the dogs in our society? Uh, you know, it's the religious, it's the priests, it's those clergy people. They're the dogs because we've read all about how bad clergy are, right? Um, it's the Hispanics. It's the Koreans. It's the... Um, the blacks it's the Jews it's these who are the dogs the gay the straight the white who are the dogs Do y'all have any dogs makes me wonder maybe I'm the dog maybe I'm the real unworthy one maybe I'm the enemy of God right well, it can't be. I've got a plastic collar and a nice stole. I'm like, I'm on his side, man. Who are the dogs our society deems unworthy? Now, this woman, she could have gone home. She could have argued or asked why. Why are you saying that? But she didn't. It's funny This woman, an enemy of the Jews, a Canaanite, a woman, an outsider, a dog. She wasn't offended. You know who were offended? The people Jesus had encountered before he encountered her. Those religious elites. They were really offended when Jesus called them hypocrites and blind guides. She wasn't offended. You know what she did? She came closer to Jesus that's beautiful she drew closer to Jesus and she knelt before him which indicates an act of worship right and she said this Lord help me help me see she wasn't trusting in her own goodness She wasn't trusting in her own righteousness. She wasn't trusting in her own worthiness to approach God. She was trusting that God's goodness and mercy is stronger than her own. She was trusting that He is who He claims to be and that God is indeed good and merciful. So she and Jesus exchanged these words about dogs and crumbs and worthiness, right? She says even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She doesn't ask for the children's bread in this story. You know whose bread she wants? You know whose crumbs she wants? The master's. And I realize that every single time that we gather here on Sundays, we don't just get the crumbs from the master's table. We get... The full bread of life. That's what we're doing. We're just coming to the Master's table. And in his mercy and his grace, he's extending himself to me, to us. Jesus um, was captivated by this lady's, and he says, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you wish. And her daughter was healed. Now, this word faith is not pop psychology. It's not positive thinking. The word faith in Greek is the word pistis, and it means trust. She entrusted herself, not to her goodness, not to her righteousness, not to her worthiness. She entrusted herself to God's goodness, God's mercy, and God's righteousness, right? You know, imagine being one of the disciples listening to Jesus' exchange with this woman about worthiness, of who's qualified for God's help and who's in and who's out. And imagine having your traditional views of worthiness completely dismantled by Jesus and His grace and His love. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus' righteousness exceeds all bounds of tradition and law and religion. It moves beyond words and into action, right? He loves those his culture taught him from a little boy to hate. It makes me wonder, you know, how I was taught to hate who I was taught to fear, who I knew was the enemy and the dogs. And Jesus loves those that his culture taught him to hate. Seems that it didn't matter to Jesus who this woman was or what her origins were or what her beliefs were because for him, life with God isn't about that. It isn't about worthiness. It's about grace. God doesn't love us because we're good. Thank God. (laughs) Right? God loves us because God is good. This precious gift of God's love is given to us all. For God so loved the world. Faith doesn't rely on worthiness. It relies on God. It relies on God's goodness. Faith relies on God's grace. Faith relies on God's mercy. So, if you've come to the end of yourself in some way, shape, or form, if you feel like your life's getting ready to crash and hit bottom, please know This is precisely where God will meet you. You have nothing to prove to God when you ask Jesus for help. You have nothing to prove to God when you ask for God's love because God's heart as revealed by Jesus is open to us, to you. So let the Canaanite woman show you how to believe. Let her show you how to have faith, that is, how to trust, how to approach God. A scrap of faith is enough. Faith is trust in God's mercy. And like this woman, if you find yourself there, throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and let him receive you. Because every situation, no matter how terrible or seemingly hopeless, no situation is beyond the life-giving, death-defying, world-changing grace, mercy, and promise of the good news of God's radical, reckless love for you. And no one, no one is outside of receiving that mercy and that grace if you come to him. So, I say to you this morning, the promise is that God's love is saving, it's rescuing, it's reconciling, and it's liberating, and it's available for all people, to you and in all places, at all times, right here or right now, at this moment, today. Amen. That's why it's called Good News. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash Saint Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.